Hello and welcome to the Harrogate Podcast with me, Andrew Gray. Today I'm absolutely delighted to have the delightful Rachel Orty with me. Now Rachel is many things. First of all, she is the Head of Communications for the Harrogate Theatre, full-time. And if that wasn't enough, she's also the Volunteer Editor of the Harrogate Review. On top of that, she's also the founder of the Women on Tap movement, which is all about beer. And she's got children, and she does lots of other things. Welcome Rachel, how are you? Obviously tired, no doubt. I'm tired just listening to that, to be honest, but um, no, I'm okay, thank you. So Rachel, you are many things, very busy, certainly one of those things, but tell my listeners, you know, who are you, you know, where were you born, where have you lived, have you lived in Harrogate your whole life, do you go back, so ancestors go back in time to Harrogate, or are you like me, a sort of newbie to Harrogate? I have pretty much lived in Harrogate all my life. And I have been away for little pockets of time, like when I went over to uni and have worked in Leeds and little bits like that, but ultimately always seem to end back up in Harrogate. My mum's family are all from Harrogate. My nan is still going strong in Harrogate, in, in, in a, well into her 90s now. And it's, it's just a place that I always seem to come back to. So, yeah, it's a big part of my life. Yeah, Harrogate, born and bred, probably the most Harrogate person I've interviewed on the Harrogate podcast. It's about time that we have someone who was, who's got Harrogate blood running through their veins, unlike my Mancunian blood, which I do always tell people about. As the head of communications of the Harrogate Theatre, you have one of the most interesting jobs, it seems to me, for a Harrogate person, banging the heart of town with thousands of people going through the doors all the time. It's a charity. And you get to see all these fantastic acts. I mean, you have fallen on your feet, it seems. And do you realise how lucky you are? I, yeah, I do. I, it's a great job. It's a very rare opportunity, I guess, as, a, as far as jobs go. And I have worked in all over the place, but ultimately seeing this job come up in Harrogate, in the heart of Harrogate, uh, it was just something that was too good to, to refuse, really. And how many years have you been in post? Uh, four years now. I've done all sorts in that time. We're a small team, so you do get your hands dirty. You've got to kind of do a bit of everything. And uh, we all work really closely together. So it feels a lot longer than four years, but I think in a good way. Now, tell me about the structure of Harriet Theatre. I only ask because I know the answer to the question. And it totally surprised me. So the theatre building itself is owned by Harrogate Borough Council. Harrogate Theatre, the company, is actually a charity, an arts charity, that runs the theatre building as a theatre space. So we are completely independent from the council. We are an independent arts charity and we're very, it's a very small team. Thank you. I didn't realise that it was so charity-centric. I assumed that the charity bit was just sort of an offshoot, which was a small part of what the theatre sort of did. But I'm completely wrong about that. And I imagine a lot of other people in Harrogate as well have made that mistake. As a charity then, surely most of your funding is just from the Arts Council. Do you really need any ticket monies from the likes of me and my family? You know, surely the uh, Arts Council pays for it all. You, I say tongue-in-cheek. Yes, it's, if only it was that simple. It's much more complicated than that. We actually get a tiny amount of funding for the work that we do. It represents less than 7% of our annual turnover. So we have to generate that income elsewhere. And we are a receiving venue, which essentially means that a lot of the shows that we have in the building are touring shows. 
uh, put together by various different companies and agents and promoters. So the deals vary show by show, but ultimately we only get about 20% of every ticket that someone buys. With the exception of our pantomime, which thankfully exists as our own production and does fund a lot of our other work for the rest of the year. We'll come back onto the pantomime in a moment, which is famous, internationally famous almost, <laughs> the pantomime. But when you said about the touring show, so when I've seen some top comedians perform in Harrogate, and I'm always amazed they come to Harrogate anyway, I, I think we're very lucky to have such great theatre. So when I've seen, for example, a, a Russell Brand maybe type person, you're saying to our audience that, roughly speaking, out of the ticket price of whatever it would be, only around one-fifth goes to Harrogate Theatre. Yes. Goodness. Yeah. Okay, so then I imagine for most of those performances, you're not, well, you're not making a profit, you're probably just breaking even, I guess. Is that about right? Absolutely, yeah. And so when we talk about asking people for donations on top of ticket money, it's obviously, it can be quite expensive uh, to buy a ticket, but we, we have to do that because that donation is worth more to us as a charity than the ticket price itself given that we can also claim gift aid on it and things like that. Got it. So if I was to buy a ticket, let's say for 20 quid, and then I decide to give a £10 charitable gift to the theatre, it's actually the £10 charitable gift which is of much more use than the £20 ticket. Yes, a lot more. It's worth a lot to us. Do you think the people of Harrogate actually know that? Because I certainly didn't. I don't think... They do, because I guess from a customer experience, you come in and you see a show, and if it's sold out, then you kind of think, this is great, they're doing really well, they're making a lot of money from this. You can look at how many heads are in the room and and do some sums, and you kind of think they're they're on a nice, tidy little profit here. Uh, And when you realise that the reality of it is not that, it's quite an eye-opener, really. Yeah, and it it is for me. I'm, I'm really surprised by that, and I'm really pleased to have you on the podcast to get that message out. Back to the pantomime, though, how many thousands of people went to the pantomime in Harrogate in the sort of 2018, I think went into 2019 sort of season? Yes. So we are managing to gradually increase panto every year, luckily, which is fantastic. But this last pantomime, 2018-19, ended the end of January. We had just over 33,000 people through the doors it's, it's an absolutely incredible, mind-blowing time to be working at the theatre. The amount of footfall. But it's all, everyone's happy, everyone's having a great time. There's loads of kids laughing and it's just a really, really nice time to be there. Absolutely. And I, okay, so 33,000 for the pantomime, but in a year, how many people do you get through the door? So we sell just short of about 150,000 tickets. Obviously, some of those will be repeat customers but that's the number of tickets that we sell through our box office that come and see our shows. And are those shows solely at the Harrogate Theatre or are they, they I'm going to get this wrong, the Convention Centre or, or, or the, the Royal, Hall. Royal Halls? Thank yes. you very much, Rachel. I always get that. Are your shows at all three venues or just at the one venue or, or two of the three? So again, it is quite a complex setup. We have our Harrogate Theatre events team also do programme a number of events each year down at the Royal Hall and at the Convention Centre. So what we do is we very much look at who, who those people are, how many tickets would we sell for that person, and obviously our space is limited. We have 500 seats in our auditorium, 
So if there's an artist coming that we know will have a higher demand than that, we can look at those alternative spaces. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky. I think we were talking earlier that we had the Eurovision back in, I think it was 1978, which is just staggering for a small town yeah. like Harrogate. We always punch well above our weight. I know that you've got a comedy festival, but I always forget when it is. When is the comedy festival coming up and you know, who are the acts, if you can tell us? We've got, we, I mean, we get some absolutely fantastic acts to the comedy festival. It has been going 10 years now, which is incredible. It's every October, so the dates vary. It depends on kind of who's touring and when that date falls, but it is every October. And the programme's just, it's growing and growing every year. I picked up an old comedy festival brochure the other day and there was about 10 shows in it. And now I think we've got about 25 and it's all really solid names. And we always have some headliners in there. We always have Jimmy Carr. He seems to come back and he just sells out every time. So it's brilliant. It's got a great reputation. So with the likes of Jimmy Carr, who's utterly hilarious and totally inappropriate to be on a podcast <laughs> like this one, why, why do they come to Harrogate? Is it just, you know, they're like a day out? Why, why Harrogate? Because we, we get the names that small towns really should not get. You know, what, what is it about Harrogate that pulls them in? Do you have any idea? I think it's a great town for comedy. It's, our spaces are fantastic. So if you see a comedian at the theatre, the auditorium is fantastic. It's really intimate. It's a nice sort of experience to see someone up on stage, even just doing stand-up. But the Royal Hall as well is perfect for comedy. Jimmy Carr usually does go to the Royal Hall. And that is a, it's a great space to see stand-up comedy. It's the perfect night out, I think. And what do all the venues hold in terms of numbers? So the convention centre is 2,000 and the Royal Hall is 1,000 and then the theatre is 500. And you have a studio as well in the theatre, I think? Yeah, we've got a studio space which is right at the top of the building and that seats about 60, depending on what the show is. So how do my listeners become a member or a patron or whatever the the correct term is at the theatre? We are actually, and you didn't even know this, this wasn't even planned, but we are actually about to launch a new membership scheme at the theatre so that individuals can get on board and and support financially what we do. And that membership scheme is all about offering sort of money can't buy perks, really, and artistic experiences as well, sort of meet the artist kind of behind-the-scenes sort of perks. But there's going to be some... We don't do pre-sales at the moment. We don't offer pre-sales to anyone. And as part of the membership, we're going to start offering pre-sales access to the big headline comedians and the big drama. So hopefully that'll be a nice little appealing perk for for lots of people. And the membership, we've got a really cheap £30 a year membership, but we've been speaking to some of our current supporters and a lot of them want to give us more money than just £30 a year, which is lovely to hear. So we've, uh, we've got a few different options available on that. But it's all on the website. So you didn't hear it here first. It was on the website before I asked, <laughs> and I should have checked. Yeah, it's exciting. I suppose that's the kind of thing you might buy for someone for a Christmas present, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. We do get people asking about membership as a gift. Now, Rachel, have there been any favourite acts or favourite moments you've had? Hopefully you can name drop a little bit or just give us an idea that uh, A-list, B-list celebrity was who said this or said that or did this or did that. I've seen so much. I've seen so much and such different. It's not, for me, it's not always about the big names. It's about the the really interesting work that you get to see. 
it can be a new, a completely unknown new artist that's bringing a brand new piece of work. And being on the staff team, sometimes we literally get someone coming into the office going, just come and see what I've been doing this morning and let me wow. know what you think. And it's a proper kind of work in progress experience. And I feel really privileged to get that sort of real sneak preview of some of the work that will be coming up on stages in the future. You might not know, but if you do, are there any quirky things which any of the celebrities have demanded that they have in their, oh, their rooms? We get all sorts. I think someone once wanted loads of towels, which was really weird. And then you get people that kind of want like all the booze and then you'll get some that want no, they just ask for like water and bananas or something like that. We did have a comedian once that was demanding a a straight banana, which (laughs) I thought was quite an interesting one. And I think it became a bit of a signature on the tour. I can't remember who that was, but I just thought that was a brilliant story. I just picture everyone running around M&S trying to look for a straight banana for this rider. That must hark back to the European Union joke about the European Union enforcing straight bananas. It must be about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying the European Union obviously enforced straight bananas, but it was a story, I think, that's Edmonton. <laughs> now, I'm a huge fan of the theatre, particularly because my nine-year-old daughter uses the theatre on a Saturday morning to do this. Help me out with the words here, Rachel. The, the youth theatre. The youth theatre, yeah. so that's what it is, and yeah. it's, it's splendid. And I know that theatre's been going for about 119 years. But, you know, is really the theatre that important to Harrogate, you know, to our culture, to our economy? Well, I mean, looking at numbers, it, it certainly is. We've got an estimated economic impact of 17 million, which is obviously is an important number for the town. But it's beyond that. It's more than just that. I mean, we bring the panto, which, as we've already said engages so many thousands and thousands of local families every year. The majority of the audience is from Harrogate. That's a real tradition for so many local families. But also, we have we do have an education programme. We do have the youth theatre, but we do all sorts of other things around that. And we're trying to get more and more young people engaged in the arts and, and kind of get them inspired by the arts so that they understand the value of not just what's on at the theatre, but the wider artistic landscape and, and, and its value to society. So there's all of those things going on as well. And ultimately, the building, we've been right at the heart of the town for such a long time. And the building, if you haven't been in, it's full of quirks from the past. It's absolutely, it's just a little treasure trove, really. And I still worry sometimes that I'm going to get lost in that building. It is like a maze and it's just fascinating, every part of it. So it's it's so important for the town in so many ways I think and probably the best looking building in Harrogate I think so it's my favourite absolutely it just seems un-Harrogate like somehow it doesn't seem to fit in and that's why I like it yes more ready bricks I guess I don't know why I like that and it's at the top of Cheltenham Mount isn't it yeah yeah it stands out a mile it's unusual and we always say to people look up because actually because of the shop units around the sides it's easy to miss but if you look up and you see the Grand Opera House up at the top which is what it used to be called it's fantastic that that sort of skyline I think. Is it haunted in any way Harrier Theatre? So apparently there's a ghost called Alice who fell in love with there's various versions of this story around but fell in love with a director and it was unrequited love so she threw herself off the balcony or something is the story I have to say I've never met her but 
the story keeps on going strong. So who knows? Poor Alice. Now, Rich, I said at the start, you have many hats, and one of them is that you are the volunteer editor of the Harrogate Review, yes. which is a publication which goes through lots of people's doors, probably everybody's door in, in Harrogate. Now, tell me, uh, how frequently does review come out, and uh, what does it entail being the editor of this publication? So it's out every two months, and it's it's basically about, for me, it's because I'm local, I'm on the ground locally, I'm working at the theatre and doing various other things that I do. I kind of, I know quite a lot of people and I know quite a lot of things that go on and ultimately it's a really nice kind of cultural what's on guide really is the Harrogate Review with some nice editorial content slotted in between and it's just a great local read, I think. So it goes out into lots of pubs, cafes, places that you're just going to be sat chilling and it's a fantastic thing just to sit and browse through and learn more about the town and what's coming up. How many is in the print room? 5,000 I believe are printed and it is mainly through distribution actually the way that it goes out into lots of public spaces. Now Rachel as I said at the beginning in the intro you are the founder of Women on Tap which is a slightly provocative name I would say and you sort of smiled when I said that earlier but um, Women on Tap is nothing to do with what it may sound like. It's a quirky thing about beer, and you're a huge beer drinker. But, you know, most people, well, a lot of people I know are beer drinkers, but they haven't founded an organisation <laughs> about beer. You must be a humongous fan. Tell us about Women on Tap, um, what you do, and how frequently you meet and arrange events and so on. Well, it started as an idea that I think I was sat in a beer garden having a beer at the time. Where all best ideas come from. I just thought there must be more women like me. I've always drunk beer, even when beer was, to be honest, pretty awful. I've just always been a beer drinker. And I just started thinking about other women that were drinking beer and other women that were probably working in the beer industry and started to do a little bit of research around that and realised that there there were so many women brewing and and it's it's such a big kind of landscape out there for women and I don't think that it was it's still considered by many to be a man's world the the beer industry and the beer as a drink and I just wanted to do something to kind of try and shift those those trains of thought really and when did you found women on tap so the idea came in 2016 and then in 2017 in May we teamed up with the Little Ale House, which had not long been open at this point in in Harrogate Town Centre, and just ran the idea past them. Rich at the time was in the bar a lot, the owner, and he was up for supporting that idea. We held a festival over the weekend. We got loads of uh, beer brewed by women on the bar, and we did a couple of tasting events down in the basement at the Little Ale House, which is quirky in itself. And it was all about trying different flavours, getting people to appreciate the differences in taste and maybe try something that they hadn't tried before. The beer styles around today are really quite different. And I think that anybody that says they don't like beer just hasn't found one they like yet because there's a beer for everyone out there. I think that should be your catchphrase. (laughs) And then that was 2017. Sounds absolutely fabulous. Into 2018, I think you had a bigger festival than that with yeah. more more participants more alehouses involved what happened in 2018 
So, well, first of all, we decided we wanted to do it again because we got such a great response and we needed some money. So we decided to crowdfund and we kind of thought if people will chip in for this, then let's do it because people want it clearly if they're going to help pay for it. And we did, we raised, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it was enough to run a festival. So we expanded, we, we got on board with more venues, places that we believe in as beer venues. We worked with Major Tom's, we worked with North Bar, Harrogate Brewing, we worked with Blind Jack's in Nairsborough. Colbath Brewery? Not, no, they, they weren't there. Ah, then you they weren't there. They are involved this year, but they weren't there at the time. And we had five day festival this time with different events across did you make five days yourself yeah it was very very tiring yeah but we had a range of of stuff going on over the five days meet the brewers with women talking about their careers we had uh, tasting events conversation panels and food pairings and all that so it was great and why do you think women need a sort of helping hand when it comes to beer now, is it surely it's accessible for both sexes? Well, I, I ask knowing that the answer is definitely no. <laughs> so, the UK has the lowest percentage of women beer drinkers in the world. Wow. And that hasn't really changed in the last 10 years, despite the fact that beer has hugely changed in the last 10 years. And we're, we're so far behind. And there's clearly reasons why. And there's, there is a lot of research being done at the moment that those statistics have come from and there's been more work done now to find out why but a big part of that is traditionally it has been seen as a man's thing you know the woman might go home make the food while the man goes to the pub with his male friends and there there is there's a lot of hang if you'll excuse the phrase hangovers from that there's um there's still a lot of sexism and just things that make women feel unwelcome in a pub and it still lingers, so it's about doing more work to brush those things off and stop them happening. Good idea. It seems like, in a way, that you're tapping into the zeitgeist. Traditionally, men's football and beer have been comfortable bedfellows. With the rise of women's football, which is just great to see, is the same thing happening with beer? Are more women engaging with beer, perhaps, because of it being synonymous with football? Have you noticed any trends that way at all? I think that I think that beer's changed so much that it, it it's become so much more than than just that. It's it's become much more of an upmarket choice in terms of drink, whereas it perhaps didn't have that kind of reputation. You know, ten fifteen years ago, you, you can drink beer at a restaurant with fine foods, and it's all about glassware these days. I think a lot of women are attracted to trying beer more when there's great glassware and you see it in in kind of the gin scene as well if you go to a bar and you get a good gin in a great glass and it's presented properly that is a fantastic experience and it is about more than just drinking it's about the whole experience that comes with that Um, and beer is very much moving into those those realms Rachel I agree with you entirely Um, but what an exciting time to be alive there's so much choice out there it's actually easy to get lost with the amount of beers to buy. I'm not sure I know which beers I like anymore. When I go to a pub, <laughs> oh, I know I like X, oh, and then not here. And then you just end up just randomly trying one. And occasionally yeah. the barman will give you a little sample. But then you think, oh, I don't quite like that. But I can't ask for another 10 other samples because they think <laughs> I'm sort of swinging the lead somewhat. 
Now, Rachel, to finish, can I try a few quick fire questions at you? You can try. Yeah. <laughs> Favourite bar or bars? I do go in the Harrogate Tap quite a lot. It's the whole thing. The team are really great there as well. And it's just a nice space to be in. In terms of beer, Blind Jack's in Knaresborough has the best beer cellar around. That is, It's inherited. It's just, it just it's superb. A pint of cask in Blind Jack's is about as good as it gets. And the Little Ale House as well is a fantastic micropub. Very yes, unique. Yes, it is. I love it. <laughs> favourite restaurant if you have one do you know it's not really a restaurant I'm going to I'm going to big up another pub because uh, Major Tom's do incredible pizza and there's nothing better than a a great beer and a a Major Tom's pizza in my opinion it's fantastic we spoke in the pre-chat about the misconceptions people have about Harrogate and I know that you're eager to dispel them what are the things that outsiders think about Harrogate which you think just aren't true and sort of get in the way of proper brand Harrogate well it's this perception that Harrogate's just really posh and stuffy and quite straight laced and I don't believe that I think that's just people not looking deeply enough it's easy to see Harrogate and think of the immediate brands that spring to mind and I'm not going to name names but anyone listening to this is probably already thinking of exactly what I mean there's so much more there's so much more to the town there's great outdoor events there's great festivals there's so much creativity going on in the town there's lots of different pockets of communities doing fantastic things and coming together over just their passion for whatever that is lots of even kind of social running groups and there's just it's fantastic it is a great town and it it goes much deeper than what people see on the surface level I think there's there's great people very passionate about what they believe in and 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 actively doing something about it Rachel that is a zinger of an answer (laughs) probably my favorite answer I've heard (laughs) and I agree with every part of it it's a great way to end Rachel how do people get in touch with you if they want to number of ways but I'm probably more often than not I'm on Twitter so uh, if you're on Twitter then by all means give me a follow I am at MarketerH on there got it thank you any final words of wisdom get out there do things go to things buy tickets support causes you believe in and enjoy it super Rachel thank you for your time today thank Thank you. you